a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the jolly to my crimson jack, it's John Campbell. Uh, yeah, so I do like to think we're the podcast equivalent of space piracy. Um, yes, hello everyone. Man, I'm so glad they're back. I need my Crimson Jack. <laughs> Weren't we just complaining about how they were, were never going to show up again? And suddenly, in the next issue, I know, our prayers are answered. Up. Oh, there he is in his <laughs> non-existent pants. Man doesn't like pants, let's be honest. There's no time for pants in space, John. No time for pants. No, no time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does feel like with, you know, this is being a comic book, I guess this makes sense. But, like, it does feel... Like we've entered the next section of this comic book with this issue. Oh yes, hundred percent. Well, we've entered the Archie Goodwin era uh, mm. because it feels like we might have somebody who actually cares about the book that they're writing. Who can say that? Yeah, it 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 does feel like there's more joy involved. We also have, I mean, because Archie Goodwin, and then we'll talk about who's on the art here. We have some like straight up legends of comics on this issue, which is. I mean, this is neither of their finest work, but it is. <laughs> well, let's get into it because, yes, today yeah. we are talking about Star Wars number 11 from Marvel right. Comics Group, released in mm-hmm. May 1st, 1978. We're still less than a year out from the release of the original Star Wars movie. Yeah. Uh, on writing, we've got Archie Goodwin. Oh, yeah. Uh, like we said, writing as Archie Goodwin. We've got uh, Carmine Infantino, like you said, a legend on pencils. <laughs> One of the uh, greatest, most influential comic book artists in the history of the medium. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. We've got Terry Kevin Austin on inks, Janice mm-hmm. Cohen on colors, and Joe Rosen, another, like, been around forever guy on oh, yeah. uh, letters. You'll see every single Marvel book ever if you look up Joe Ro- Rosen. Yeah, exactly. And then now you flip things to consulting editor now is Roy Thomas going, yeah, what? how's that space book going? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> He's and he's he's busy on Tarzan. He's busy. We've talked about this. He is launching his uh, Tarzan, which, uh, by the way, if you look up the history, of that it, it didn't do great. But I think it was a big work of passion for him. Um, and I would still, again, which is, I don't. That's collected anyway. I'd love to read that. Saying it didn't do great, but is a great work of passion, is basically the story of every pulp novel adaptation that came after the 1950s. It's true. <laughs> Um, I know you and I are both fans of that Tarzan movie that was out a couple years ago. That oh, yeah. was like, we'll go like, man, that's as good a Tarzan movie as you get. And it's like, oh, no one saw it. Okay, yeah, great, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> it's almost like, oh, why would they? Uh, <laughs> um, but let's get into it. Let's let's start with this cover here. Uh, because how oh, many man. covers in a row, John, can we have where somebody is leaning backwards and shooting at someone saying, it's not going to work? It's insane. It It is starting to be. I don't think I've ever noticed... Uh, a, a like trend in covers like this where it is like wow this here's the formula baby that's what sells books <laughs> yeah r2 3po into the ship my blaster's not stopping this thing says now, a man they tell me is luke skywalker well yeah he's got a yellow bathrobe and some brown pants so i i don't know who this is but it, it might be luke adjacent the, the design of him though the neck the face everything is just stock 
comic book hero guy. Oh, I mean, we're going to talk about stock comic book hero guy in this issue. <laughs> I will say, with the, uh, the one thing that is clear in this issue, the old timers have the helm now. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting story. that we finally get a cover where somebody's leaning back and shooting at something where mm-hmm. that actually does like almost pretty much panel for panel happen in the issue, which I found interesting. <laughs> this com- this cover is both accurate and false advertising. Yes. Yes, it is. Because, great, well, great. <laughs> I mean, it maybe promises more than it actually delivers. It I does just, technically deliver. It do- You're right. It is. I can't get them in a court of law on the false advertising. <laughs> However, <laughs> sneaky bastards. But, uh. But I will say, being uh, trying to put myself in the imagination of the kid at the magazine stand, going, mm-hmm. "Oh yes, finally, we're gonna get back to Luke in the Star Wars comic. I can't wait to see what." Oh no! <laughs> it's basically what this whole issue. Because even I had that a little bit as a as a man in his thirties reading this last night, going, "Well, thank we're past that weird Han Solo story. Let's go back to Luke." Hey, wait, where's Luke Skywalker in this? Meanwhile, cut to first page, and we're not back with Luke Skywalker. We're back with the Millennium Falcon and outside of the orbit of Aduba 3, the planet we can never escape. The second they said Aduba 3, I did go. <laughs> so much Aduba 3. So um, much. Well, we, to be fair, due to like technical issues and scheduling, we did read one of those issues like five times. Uh. <laughs> I, it's, look. It maybe felt a little bit more exacerbated than it actually was. It was, but. It was like, yeah, we we did tread, we did seriously tread some water on a two or three. <laughs> um, but I just also want to talk about this. Uh, the other thing this really feels very uh, is, and I keep saying this because I do think, especially at this point, it's the context a lot of the old timers have uh, is very Flash Gordony and this creature, this pose. Even this blaster, which is very much not a Star Wars blaster that Luke is shooting, feels very Flash Gordon. Yeah, it's got like weird flanges and stuff coming off of the gun that feel yeah, very yeah. Flash Gordon-y. It's over-designed. The, the, mm. the thing, one of the things that's cool about the Star Wars blaster designs, and we're in my territory if we're talking about blaster design. Um, <laughs> that's much shit. Uh, but they're all like, um, uh, they're all real guns. They're all particularly like World War II guns that have then been modified in some way. And so they all have these unique, uh, but also familiar. They feel like tactile weapons. They don't mm. feel like craft guns, you know. Yeah, like weird. I mean, and but the problem is that we've been seeing more and more zap guns, like you say, like weird ovoid designs that just have a little flange coming off of it that projects beams. And because that's what people thought sci-fi guns looked like. We didn't really have the bulk of context we have for the rest of Star Wars weaponry. And Star Wars in general had this whole thing about everything felt more lived and it wasn't shiny rocket ships and stuff, right? So yeah. it's interesting that the comic, though, when push comes to shove and they have to come up with new designs, kind of lean back a little towards that Flash Gordon-y pulp space opera sort of stuff. Because well, that was the context. And that was the context. And we're also dealing with creators who grew up on that stuff as opposed to totally. kids who are just learning what sci-fi is through Star Wars right now. Absolutely. That's why that's why I keep saying, yeah, I don't mean the old timers to be disparaging. It is like they are the guys uh, who are uh, going like, oh, I, I know this. In fact, probably an Archie Goodwin is going, I love Star Wars. It's like those movies I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Passing it into the way Luke has created it out of his own Saturday matinee memories. Right. 
Speaking of Archie Goodwin, let's get to this first page because All this right. is the first time we get the listed Archie Goodwin as writer and editor with Roy Thomas, yeah, taking a backseat as consulting editor. Absolutely. And no stars in that logo, pal. Yeah, we have finally abandoned the goofy-ass Star Wars logo that Marvel came up with themselves. We're using the proper type font. Uh, we are still in the greatest space fantasy of all time, and we yep. are still presumably in a galaxy far, far away, as the opening right. little crawl says. And we're continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas, and I'm sure, once again, Lucas gave thumbs up to everything. <laughs> <laughs> they ran everything by him, and he said, yep, that's canon. Because, uh, yeah, we get a little bit of a rundown here on this first page of, well, guess what? Uh, this is the Millennium Falcon. We're leaving a Duba 3. You'd think this was a hunk of junk space fight freighter if it wasn't for the fact that it had r done the Kessel Run, which, again, at this point, I don't think anyone knows what that is. Oh, definitely not. Nor <laughs> do we really, like, if they had, yeah, you would think this, if they'd never smuggled spice on the Kessel Run. Yeah, wow. I mean, that grammatically, that makes sense. That grammatically makes sense, but it also makes it seem like people are doing the Kessel Run all the... I mean, I guess if you just have to go on that mm -hmm. one line in A New yes. Hope, you would think many people attempt the Kessel Run, and he did it the best. To be fair, there are two lines that reference Kessel in A New Hope. Mm. We have Han Solo talking about the Kessel Run, and then yeah. we have... 3PO saying we're going to be shipped off to the spice mines of Kessel. That's true. That's true. So yeah. we, we, there is already like a little bit of groundwork there about precisely what's happening. The other thing, though, I got to say, and this goes back to the design thing. Way too smooth, that Millennium Falcon, man. That's headed to that Flash Gordon. It doesn't have all the detail and bits and bobs that make the Falcon so cool. Look, I don't know what else Carmine Indefentito was at at the time. We can't ask him to do the hyper-detailed underbelly of the Millennium Falcon in every well, panel, so, John. It's an interesting thing simply because, yes, it's always that thing about this is a new thing. Now we live in a world where all the people working on Star Wars have grown up on Star Wars, and so everything is so lovingly re-rendered in a way where you're just like, how can I not include that specific thing that's on the Falcon, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I had the toy of that as a kid. I do think that's a big thing, too, to me as well, as like, I acutely know what the underside of the Falcon looks like because I played for hours with my Millennium Falcon toy, you know? Sure. I will say this. Infantino already has a gold star in my book for including some of the detailing on the, like, sides strips of the... Oh, I think I think near across the board, the art is better in this issue. Yeah. Uh, and though we do, like, immediately get into... Talk about comic book hero -iness, The Han Solo we get on this next page is... Oh, boy. Uh, I this, mean, I, I, this is a decent take on Solo, and I do appreciate the fact that his face is pretty much the same in every panel in this issue. Say, my biggest thing is that nobody, that none of the likenesses are right, but everybody looks the same from panel to panel is my mm -hmm. big thing. It is sort of a difference between, uh, and obviously Chaykin will go on to be a legend, but I think was a real uh, green artist at the time when he was doing Star Wars. This is what it looks like when you get like, oh, yeah, this is a guy who... Yeah, you can get into whether or not the face is kind of stock, but you're like, oh, this guy's like a pro who's been doing this for decades. There's a right. consistency. There's a confidence in this that has been missing. Right. Uh, we also get like a pretty good shots of inside the cockpit and like it actually looks like what the cockpit looks like in the movie, which is yeah. a big turnaround from every other time we've seen it so far. Mm hmm. 
Uh, by the way, just looking at this, uh, Infantine was also doing Daredevil at the same time. Ooh, okay. Him and Jim Shooter on writing. Hmm. And I, I don't know much about Shooter's Daredevil run, but I can imagine it, Infantino kills it, it on some of those. Absolutely. The thing about the Jim Shooter Infantino stuff is it's before the Frank Miller stuff. So mm-hmm. it's the it's the stuff Different that leads to yeah. where it becomes the Daredevil you know. So mm-hmm. then we get a lot. I will say my biggest criticism of this issue, so much previously on Star Wars. There are multiple stops in the story to go, here's where we are. For an 18-page comic, I would say at least like six of those pages are recapping stuff from previous issues. And that's just not cool, especially because now we live in a world where you open up a Marvel comic and there's like a paragraph at the front going, here's what the Avengers are up to. And you're like, got it. Mm-hmm. So the big thing for the recap here, because this second, this third page here is a second page after the cover, I guess. Um yeah is a recap of everything we've done in the last three issues on a dupe of three. We get a breakdown of all of those pretty quickly. And that was cool. The big thing that struck me was the death of Hedgy in the bottom left yes, panel here. Yes, okay. Th- thank you for saying that. Cause I read this last night and went, am I crazy? Or did he not die? So I went back and again, <laughs> I- reread issue number 10. <laughs> Here's here's the thing, folks. One of us is more committed than the other one. Well, because like it, it, the panel shows, like, oh, we finally pulled it out, but it was, but at what cost? And we show Effie getting blown up, and we show right. Hedgy getting shot and falling over. Hedgy, of course, being the the porcupine dude who could like shoot his spines. Who arguably was actually the coolest of that bunch, and I would have liked to have seen continue of, of any of those characters. Hundred percent. But yeah, like you, I scratched my head and went. What? No, we never saw him die. And Did we? Yes and no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I figured that was the case. In the issue, there's the the giant monster has appeared. Everyone's freaking out. Uh, Don Juan Quixote, the stupid. I think I'm a Jedi Knight guy who oh, definitely died about. in the issue before that. Yes, that a hundred percent. We absolutely saw him die, and the the text confirmed it. Yes. We've gone over this. Go back to that episode, folks, and, and we but confirm that. He miraculously resurrected, is charging the giant monster with his lightsaber, and Hedgie's like, we gotta help him, and he runs out after him and shoots spines. Yeah, I do remember this. The monster then shoots one of its forehead lasers, and we see yeah. it missing Don Juan Quixote. Now, mm. if we... T- only with the aid of this panel, in retrospect, does it become even remotely clear that it vaporizes Hedgy that was standing directly next to Don Juan Quixote. Oh, man. Because no. in the rest of that issue, Hedgy does not appear, but they also never mention that he died or mention him at all until Ins- this panel. Insane. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's not okay. Especially because they got all bent out of shape about the robot blowing up, but then Hedgy died, and they're like, nah. And, like, it's such a classic, like, art shorthand to show, like, the outline of a character inside of a red laser beam to show that they're being disintegrated. Like, that goes back to Silver Age stuff. Yeah, it's class. I mean, it goes back to Flash Gordon, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So, like, uh, to, to not even, like, 
imply via the art that Hedgy is dead is wild, and then only to retroactively make it clear in this issue. That is nuts. I'm I I, I figured you would go back and and confirm that, and you did, and it's still weird. It's still super weird. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is this little flashback panel in the middle, because what is this Don Juan Quixote design? It's totally different than anything. He's now in more flowing robes than um, uh, his knight's armor, and he has a wand? Well, John, this is the character design from issue number seven that initially shows up and then is abandoned in issued eight, nine, and ten, and now is okay. back. Yeah, but the, the wand the real, I can't explain. <laughs> the wand and the dainty little like, hello, <laughs> I snap you. It's all about the flick of the wrist, John. That's the cr- trick with wand movements. It is, but they've captured it at an awkward angle. If you're going to render it as an image, I'll just say so because it does go like a snap. My favorite is a. Uh, Effie with the blaster, which he never possessed, and oh. B, Hedgie's, uh, like, commanding pointing as the spines are coming off of his hand. Over there, buddies. Over there. That's it. That Go way. stand up. Also, is it me, or did Jim get a lot more buff in this memory? Well, he also has full set of pants, so there's a lot of inconsistencies here. Oh, Chewie, that's how I remember him. Uh, <laughs> and Chewie is asking, uh, Vorp at Vorp. the end of this? Real not, I mean, I've I've settled on Gronk. Gronk is fine with me. We get a lot more chewy uh, dialogue, like range in this. The letter is really going all over the place. But I feel like a V sound. Nothing close to a V sound ever emanates from a Wookie. Uh, it depends on like what you comprise of V. I, I feel like there's like uh, an argument to be made that like a could have like a kind of V at the front. True, that's true, but the warp is a the weird, is like weird. Yeah, warp feels more like a droid sound to me. Mm-hmm. Like, warp. This is but Chewie going warp. Uh, so we get Han and Chewie heading back to. They say they're heading back to the rebels, which seems like a bad idea. But well, I love this whole thing when they go like, uh, "Yeah, we'll just uh, take a quick pop in by Yavin. If there's any Imperial forces, we'll." Ditch at what are you guys talking about? Why even risk that? Han Solo doesn't want to screw around with the Imperials. My God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's yeah. being real cavalier here, and then almost is like, uh oh. But luckily, well, we'll get to it. So they, they, the, number one, I actually really like the light speed drawing in the middle of this next page here. I even like the Han Solo dialogue right at the top here. We get, no, it's not because I miss them. Don't let a few good deeds let you think I'm going soft. Like that is some good Han Solo right there. It absolutely is. Then there's some weird Han Solo later in the book. That's true. Anytime he calls Chewie first mate is weird. And the use of Starhopper in any context is they keep Uh, trying to force this. Come on, Marvel. It's not going to happen. That's not a Star Wars thing. Starhopper. (laughs) But yeah, I just love anytime he's like, you said it first, mate. And it's like, he's never called him that ever in anything. No. And that's that also that, feels like, like we need to remind people Chewie is the first mate of the Millennium Falcon. Despite right. the fact there's only two guys on the ship. So, <laughs> Well, it's like if Han Solo ever calls anybody chum, it feels weird. Yeah. <laughs> there is some still like, what? There's still some like comic booky things mm-hmm. that he says, like, like chum, where you're like, no. 
Once again, it's always one of those things where when I'm reading this, I'm imagining Harrison Ford saying it, and you're like, oh, he would never say chum. Yeah. Hey, chum, come here. You know, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Of course, so they, they hop back into space, and what's this? Uh-oh, it's a Star Destroyer, question mark? Except it's not, which is... But Chewie's worried because he's going, Arauk? Arauk? Arauk's a pretty good Wookiee sound. I actually think, yeah, the, once again, that's not that one's not bad. Uh, I think Joe Rosen's stretching his Wookiee legs in this book. I, I actually, it can. It's always kind of a toss up as to who makes the sound effects. Sometimes it's the letter, sometimes it's the inker, sometimes it's the penciler. It really depends on the book. It really does, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's go to the next page here, and we find out it's not the Imperials; it's our old pantsless friend, Crimson Jack. Crimson Jack, that guy who is directly out of a Flash Gordon. A hundred percent. Uh, he absolutely should be hanging out with the Hawkmen from mm-hmm. uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, yeah. Gordon's alive! Um, Maybe he's he, an uneasy ally against the Emperor in like one or two episodes and that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has conversations with Prince Baron, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the thing where it's like, it's our old pirate pal, Crimson Jack. Uh, the one who made off with our treasure. Big buddy. Ooh, trying to imagine Han calling Chewbacca big buddy. I think he gets a backhand for that. I could uh, see the on, buddy. Alden Ehrenreich one calling him big buddy. And then being like, oh, sorry, I tried sorry. that. Uh, <laughs> I was trying something new. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. But there's something about, it's one thing if he goes, you said it, buddy, or something like that. But big buddy. Uh, well, this issue will also... Uh, We'll talk about later in an action scene when I am uh, have questions about the size of Chewbacca uh, in this comic. Chewbacca is a, not a constant. Let's call it that. No, no, he is he is wider, as tall as the stories need him to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, th- this what I love about this though is if you remember the last Crimson Jack appearance, he let Han and Chewie go, hoping to steal from them again. So I guess in this case, he's like. Lucky day. What did I tell you? And See, apparently gonna- he planted a tracker on the Millennium Falcon so that if the Millennium Falcon ever like came back into this sector of space, he'd immediately know. And apparently it worked. And I just love that idea about just like, I just love robbing from these guys so much. I want to make sure I rob anything they get. <laughs> it's really not how piracy works. Like, I'm just going to fixate on a few people. It's less piracy and more, uh, oh, what's the word they always use to put uh, mobsters in jail? Um, oh, um, well, like extortion. Racketeering and extortion, yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> Crimson Jack goes down on a RICO charge eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because Jolie turns state's evidence and... Uh, well, oh my God! That, that I mean, Crimson. We talked about I, the thing I love about the Return of Crimson Jack is also the Return of Crimson Jack's crew, which is the craziest hodgepodge of people. I am so sad we don't get more detailed panels of Crimson Jack's crew. They're kind of more vague and in the background. We really only get Crimson Jack and Jolie as like detailed get, characters. We firmly a just straight up pirate, though. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Which I. Love that it's like, no, they're literal space pirates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So they, they pull him in with a tractor beam. Uh, and yeah, it is just like everything. It was like, well, 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 solo. 
they're really trying to sell Crimson Jack as like the villain that Marvel has added to the Star Wars mythos. And you're like, mm, I don't know. Now, John, I do have to ask, since we're establishing Crimson Jack and his crew as like legit space pirates, like nautical yeah. pirates in space. Yeah. Can Crimson Jack talk like a pirate? Can oh, we just make I, that decision I, right now? Because I feel like he's going to be a returning character. That's absolutely how I read him. Yeah, well, 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 Solo. My little playmate Jolly said I'd be wasting me tracker. Said you'd yeah. never be stupid enough to stray into me sector again. But I pride yeah. myself on recognizing a steady customer. Absolutely. That is 100% how I read him. <laughs> and then literally when he's got like a pirate henchman with an eye patch later, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, so, yeah. Yeah, at the bottom uh, of the page here, we realize, uh-oh, Crimson Jack has a prisoner that isn't Han Solo and Chewie. It's Princess Leia. Because it makes you go like, oh, right, Princess Leia in the last issue. Okay, sure. Uh, and it is like, uh, but I do love, hey, don't jump to conclusions, Chewie, on the next page here. <laughs> well, look, a word is a very, like, oh, I'm making some assumptions here, Wookiee sound. And the and the the drawing on Chewie, they're going like, Rrrg. Let's <laughs> uh, not fly off the handle, big buddy. Uh, <laughs> not again, but yeah. Uh, and it is still an ever ready eye for the ladies. A solo, even <laughs> so with good. your tail in a sling. Well, this is a special one, all right. And we're back to something you brought up in the last issue, I think, Gregoni. Princess and Senator, no less. So, okay, I'm going to no-prize this. The destruction of, or the disillusion of the Galactic Senate is only yep. like a couple of days old at this point. Maybe news hasn't gotten to Crimson the space Jack. pirates. And he may mean it in a way where it's like, oh, well, even if it's former Senator, she's a princess and a sen That's her resume I'm mm -hmm. reading. Even yeah. retired senators are referred to as senators, and yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we're dealing with that. Uh, so, if anything, Crimson Jack just really observes the niceties of uh, like due diligence and honoring he, someone's career. He seems like a guy who really cares about civic duty and yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this uh, intergalactic scallywag, um, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, and then also, but of course, and rebel. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so, so now we've got kind of a uh, space Mexico standoff as everyone has guns on Solo. Crimson Jack has Leia. Uh, Han is trying to buy for time. And on the next page, he's like, Chewie, buy us some time. And then Chewie gets huge. <laughs> uh, Chewie, <laughs> Chewie apparently can like uh, at a moment's notice grow more fur should it be necessary. I don't remember this power from any of the movies or cartoons I've seen, but... All of a sudden, he's like, I'm a carpet! We've compared Chewie before to the Alpha Flight team member Sasquatch, and I really got that vibe in this page, especially. Holy shit, That's a, this is totally Sasquatch, all of this stuff here. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and also, you do get a little bit of, as I'm looking at this now, some the, the, the shirtless henchman that he's throwing aside here, with a powerful yeah. and and... <clears throat> I do like that they all are wearing bandanas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come on, Crimson Jack ship. Oh, yes, yeah, bandana. 
<laughs> some of them aren't wearing shoes. Some of them are wearing like the the stripy uh, like waist uh, like belt cloth things that you see on pirates sometimes. Yeah, these are the kind of things I love where you think about Carmine Infantino going, this guy, no shoes on this one. You know, like, when <laughs> like this is like these aren't characters, but you're like, I got to add a little something, something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Han Solo just kind of lucks into a rifle here. Oh. And this is where he goes, he goes great going, first mate. Yeah. You're my first mate, Chewie. Did well, you know? That's because Chewie hit somebody at such a precise angle that the gun was knocked out of their hand to go straight to Han. Yep. So That's how good Chewbacca is in this. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Chewie is mm-hmm. that accurate with his fisticuffs. <laughs> yeah. And his, uh, once again, just <laughs> his fisticuffs seem to be, he's just flailing his limbs about. I mean, whatever uh, works. I, I do love the line down here in the bottom right corner where Han's saying, call off your hounds, Jack. You've got the men and the firepower to take us out, but it'll be rough gloating without a head. That actually is a pretty sweet line. <laughs> That's like, ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Han Solo is an, a legit badass for that one line. Um mm-hmm. And we go to he, the next panel. He, he's, he's less of a legit badass in this, like, middle top panel when... Like, the gun has suddenly shrank and his hands have remained the same size. Yeah, it is like, what? why haven't, why aren't you, gri- he's, it makes him seem like he's very loosely gripping that rifle, like, I don't he's know. Daintily with his fingertips holding the barrel of the rifle. Very weird. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. There you go. Hey, Crim- hey, Crimson Jack. Let's let's all be cool, man. Mm-hmm. Well, because uh, he does the, the classic Han Solo thing here, which I loved actually, because this felt like a Han Solo move, even if will, it does have a little like fast-paced nonsense comic book timing. The thing that's going from uh, Thomas to Goodwin is there's it. It's still kind of there's still some weird wonkiness in it. However. Yes, there is more. It does feel like Goodwin understands the characters a bit more. And there is more like, okay, I see what you saw in the movie that is leading you to write this. Yeah. yeah. Even if there's still stuff like, good going, first mate. There are moments like like this where you're going like, yes, this is starting to feel like how Han Solo would handle a situation. Because what he's telling Crimson Jack is like, look, if you don't kill us, if you leave the princess alone... I know where that treasure that you stole from me came from, and there's right. a way for us to get to it. And he is lying through his teeth. And that is pure Han Solo. Han Solo, one of the, I think, the misconceptions about Han Solo from a pop culture standpoint is, yes, he is a quick draw who will shoot Greedo in the cantina, but also is mainly a guy who is just talking his way out of situations. I think that moment in the beginning of Solo um, when he's when he's pretending to have the thermal detonator and stuff, I, I remember being like, "This is pure Han Solo," or he's just bullshitting to buy time and go, "Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. I'll get this. Is how I'll do that." You know that. Say what you will about the sequel trilogy, but in the Force Awakens, when you have the scene where two gangs are coming together and being like, "You've lied to both of us, Solo, and you are at the end of your rope," I thought it was yeah. like a very good Han Solo moment. Absolutely. He is that guy who's always in over his head, but is always going to be his real gift is a guy just going like, everybody calm down. Like he can, he can get every, everybody will kind of listen to him. Mm-hmm. For <laughs> the, the big gift Han Solo always has is people will go like, 
let's not kill him. Let's see where he's going with this. <laughs> <laughs> he buys himself just enough rope to hang himself, but hopefully he gets the other guy's head in the noose before he goes. Absolutely. And that and that is the other thing I like about Crimson Jack in general is something I like I, I always want to see more of in Star Wars are characters who aren't involved in the conflict and mm-hmm. like guy is just looking for profit so he'll sell out the empire to the rebels or rebels to empire it doesn't make any difference to him and i do like more characters like that in star wars uh it's once again speaking of something i do like in the sequel trilogy i love that benicio del toro character in last jedi because you're like Mm. oh here's a guy who's like i don't care about any of this man yeah i have no i i just want to make money who cares Mm -hmm. yeah survival Uh, and getting myself comfortable is what's important Absolutely. Where the, the guy the guys who are Han Solo that aren't also secretly good heroes at their core, but are just like, no, I truly am only in it for the money. Right. And on the like opposite side of the coin of that, you have somebody like Dr. Afra, who is obviously we'll get to in this show, but is the like well, I am kind of on paper a villain, but at the end of the day I don't really care about the conflict. Yeah. No, that always, I always want more people like that in these. And so I like that idea. Uh, in every other way, Crimson Jack is a ridiculous character. Uh, yeah, 100%. And like now he's inviting them to dinner so that they can discuss what it is that Han Solo is talking about. And so, here, yeah. <laughs> I, okay, this last panel where you see his... Uh, is the implication he's stolen an Imperial cruiser? And that's what he's flying around in? I believe so, yes. Yeah, which is pretty nuts. Um but yeah, uh, for sure. also the way this is drawn, where it's implying it's going so fast, the front end of it is popped up. <laughs> it's it's hydroplaning. Yeah, look at look at the design of him. Like I've never in seen space. a cruiser fly where it's like, yo, you've never seen a uh, a star destroyer fly so fast that it acts like a uh, a wacky racer's car that's going so fast the pop the top is flying up. I, I haven't, but it's you know what you never see is Vader going like, "Yes, let's really open this up." <laughs> let's We've got all of these horses and no room to gallop. Come on, Commander, let's see what this baby can do. I mean, once you upon know- a time he was Anakin Skywalker. You got to figure at least once he tried to do a barrel roll the Star Destroyer. Come on, <laughs> this will be fun. Lord Vader said it would be. <laughs> Emperor, if we... <laughs> I don't remember saying that. Kill him. Uh... <laughs> oh, God damn. Uh, all right, let's go to the next page. And we've got our friend Jolly, uh, who, of course, is uh, right off of the mod scene of 1960s. <laughs> I do like the like casual cigarette she has in this page. I know. That is very 70s. To have mm. people just smoking in an ostensibly children's comic. Um, I also appreciate that everyone's chair here is a lounge chair. There are no just like regular chairs in Captain Jack's feasting hall. <laughs> it's so funny that both Captain Jack and Han Solo are just like, oh yeah, this is the stuff. We it only makes, have Shay's lounges in the captain's quarters. It makes the idea of all this dialogue so weird that two guys are lounging. It's just, <laughs> it, it's just, it's just awkward and. Once again, no pants on Crimson Jack, and he's just got he's got those legs up and thighs on display. He's got days. I mean, look, they don't call him 
Captain Crimson Thunder Thighs Jack for nothing. Yar, I never skip leg day. It's all leg day for Crimson Jack. <laughs> and Chewie's over here enjoying Cornish Game Hand, it looks like. Uh... It's Porg. <laughs> yeah, it is! He's eating <laughs> Porg! Look at him. And he's loving it so much he's going, Burf? Burf? <laughs> he looks more like Sasquatch in that panel, honestly. He, like Harry and the Hendersons with a huge forehead. Really looking like that. And Han's over here going, that's right, everybody. Uh, hey, 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 Han Solo here for the life of the party. And then when we cut to the second panel, though, and you're like, oh, yeah, and Leia's still in chains over there. <laughs> yeah, why isn't Solo in chains if Leia is needs to be bound the whole time? I mean, obviously, Leia has, like, in the time she's been captured here, has probably broken out and killed at least four people. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> It's like, well, uh, she can't be trusted walking around anymore. Because the last time we did that, uh, Jeff and to- Toby got killed. <laughs> Not Toby. He was my favorite. He um, was the best of us. Truly. Uh, the other thing I love are these future glasses that have, like, a little rim on them. Like, a little, uh, like, I don't know, like a little ramp thing on them. Look at that. They're weird cocktail glasses. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. It's like, just what, like what would be the purpose of that? I have no, but I just love the idea of them going. No, no, you can't just draw a glass. We need space glasses. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things that both Star Wars and Star Trek are guilty of, where they're like, no, 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 we need to do a space version of something. You're like, wouldn't that still just be the thing? Like, I so desperately want the the mugs that they drink that like fancy space tea out of, and what was it, Deep Space Nine or Voyager? No, it's Deep Space Nine, and you're talking about Rock to Geno, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I want to find those, like, big wide-based mugs that they have in there. Right there with you, man. I've been trying to find... I can't believe the Star Trek shop doesn't make those. Because those <laughs> are so iconic when you go to Quarks, and that's what you're drinking, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, folks, there you go. You got just a taste of, like, oh, so somebody say Star Trek? I, I'm talking about Rock to Geno all day. Um, <laughs> thing that's, uh, like, even more caffeinated than coffee. Right. Uh, yeah. But we do get some, again, really good Han Solo here and some buildup of the, like, yeah, interest between Solo and Leia that starts here. Admittedly, it starts as a bold-faced lie from Han Solo because he says that while he was rescuing Princess Leia, they fell in love. And that's how he learned about the rebel treasure. I, I got to say, though, uh, the uh, and I'm going to put some of this on the color, some of it on, I don't know, the inking, but... Han looks like he's just straight up wearing jeans in this. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Thank God I packed my denim, Chewie. Um, There's some space dungarees that have uh, served Han well. But also, I love the idea that like whoever did the coloring clearly was done quickly because even his belt buckle is colored like bean blue, and you're like, wait a minute. We That's don't right. Have time, belt, baby. We got to get this issue out, John. We can't just be coloring every belt buckle. And keep in mind, this whole time, now Han is standing up and Crimson Jack never gets up from that lounge road bag. <laughs> so he's like, funny. He's like, uh, hey, yeah, where you going, Solo? Let's see where this is happening here, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good for my back, though, if I just stay like this. Um, and yeah, so Solo leans into Leia and says, put some feeling into it, your high, your royalness, okay. our lives are at stake, as he leans in for a romance comic panel. Yeah, which is great, and I like that. Now, go to the next page, 
this conversation, this extremely long conversation they have while pretending to make out made me laugh. Are they saying these words into each other's mouths? Uh, here's the thing. Thanks for keeping... Thanks for keeping silent, Leo. You know, yeah, it is. It's weird. It's weird. Um, I, though the dialogue is pretty good, Han and Leia banter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's, it's good to what their relationship is like. Because uh, he's leaning in for a fake kiss and saying, "Hey, if we can sell this, uh, we can maybe get the best of Crimson Jack." And she's just like, "I cannot believe your fucking audacity to do yeah. this sort of thing." And I know I know how we can sell this. Yeah, and it's absolutely the Han Solo thing where it's like, what's your plan? He goes, I don't know. I'm buying time doing this to mm-hmm. figure out. You know. It's interesting. It's the, I mean, and there are similarities between these characters, but it's it's the Han Solo and Indiana Jones similarity of the thing about like, what's the plan? I don't know. I'm making this up as I go, right? You know, like, is, is that where he's just going like, Wait, I gotta move. I'm in love with her. I don't know what the next step beyond that is, but that's step next. Yeah. And then she does a good job where she clocks. She really, this is implying she's hitting him on the top of the head with an elbow and the other side of his head with her knee. So she's she is, elbow dropping his head, which I don't yeah. know. That implies she jumped because Leia is definitely shorter than Solo. Leia is tiny. I mean, Carrie Fisher was a little woman, and so there's a big dude. Yeah. So with her five foot vertical leap, Leia goes straight up, elbow drops Solo in the head to bring his head down onto her ascending knee. I mean, you talk about this has rung his bell like no. It's a rap and a wud, sir. <laughs> but so I do, he, this, this is pretty good characterization, even if some of the yeah. art's a little wild. Yeah, because Leia's face here is a little like. I don't know how to describe it. Like uh, harsh lines. It's definitely more like action heroine kind of red Sonia esque than it is yeah. like a Carrie Fisher look. All of this is very once again Infantino comes out of silver into he sort of like late silver, early bronze age is Infantino. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, Carmen Infantino, um, uh, his big thing would be like the Flash, like the Flash mm. you know. Is mm-hmm. Carmen Infantino the red suited Flash, uh, as opposed to the Jay Garrick with the helmet? That's Carmine Infantino, sort of there for that, like Julie Schwartz redesign of um, Green Lantern, Flash. That's all Carmen Infantino, sort of the revitalization of DC. He was all over the uh, like. I don't know if you'd call it the first crisis. They weren't really using it that terminology right. back then. Uh, but it was sort of the DC rebrand of like all of these old like magic-y heroes are now science heroes because that's what the kids are into. That's it exactly. And that was that was sort of the big relaunch that is, like I said, sort of whatever the versions you generally know from pop culture of these characters comes out of that like 50s, 60s sort of mm-hmm. rebrand of everyone as a science fiction hero. Yeah. So so and a lot of this art feels like that, is what I'd say. Yeah. It, it, it's it's all competent, but it is a little, when you see it's 78, you're like, ooh, this reads a little old-timey. Which is fine, though, because, again, the consistency is there in a way that it hasn't been it's in this book. So much more polished. 
This yeah. was uh, this is so much more pleasurable to look at because uh, you because you notice we're not complaining so much about the like solid block color backgrounds in this issue because they're still there. But yeah. the main art between the inks and the pencils is just so much better and consistent that our eyes are drawn to that and not the well, lack of background detail. And you get things like so after she clocks him there. Look at this. Look at the it just, you know. Uh, likenesses aside, because it's just it doesn't look like Harrison Ford. But mm. look at how interesting and dynamic that Han Solo, like, oh my chin, where I got hit. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a guy who really has honed his craft in understanding framing and once again spatially, like everyone is giving. Look at Chewbacca in the next panel, going like, yeah. Mm. I was going to bring Every- that up. The the like Chewie's kind of had enough of Han shit as he's dragging him up off the floor. Look. Yeah, I feel like Chaikin got sort of very quick with like, I don't know, it's just somebody's face. Infantino is giving you an expression. Everybody is having a feeling of an emotion or something in every... Han's like, oh, you know. It's it's all, yeah. There's just a polish to it that is like, oh, yeah, this guy is a pro. Even if he's maybe not doing his best work here, he is doing base-level competent work that is nice to see in a book that has been at best inconsistent with its art. Right. And in these bottom panels, we have Leia saying like, look, if you want to find the, tr- the rebel treasury and the Drexel system, which yeah. we know is the place where Luke Skywalker has scarpered off you to try to find a new rebel base. We're talking about that the other week. The Drexel system is the most important thing. <laughs> in this comic, And this is about the only time it's ever important in anything in star Wars. So yes, yeah, uh, but she says you you're in for too much when you get there because Luke Skywalker is there, and that means yeah. it's, there's some surprises in store for you. So if we turn the page, we get full on pirate on this first panel. Yar matey. Yeah, he's got an eye patch and a, a fishnet shirt and everything. But weirdly, he does actually have a very Star Wars looking gun. Yeah, yeah, he does because it's, it's like a Luger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it's like, all right, everybody, let's, uh, and, and, and basically we're still just buying time here. Everything is like, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> the, the only thing that reads weird is the second panel with the Chewbacca thumb pointing to himself. Lurk. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine Chewbacca going, eh, <laughs> This guy can't imagine Chewie doing the Fonz. Hey. Hey. No, I can't. That's a very Han Solo pose. You go like, listen, this is me talking. You know that sort of. John, thing. literally in the same panel, Han is also pointing his thumb at himself. Yeah. So <laughs> that also makes me think another thing that isn't very Chewie is Chewie mocking Han Solo. Then going like, yeah, they, right, yeah, you're the smart guy. I think that's my read on it. It's like Chewie is just along for the ride, but at this point the ride is becoming a little off the rails. And so yeah. Chewie's just like, Oh, you got a plan, do you, bud? Oh, a big man pointing at himself. Oh, mm-hmm. I can point Ooh, um <laughs> Yeah, you're just going like, man, this uh comic book Chewie is so sassy. I love a sassy Chewie. I, I do love a sassy Chewie. And it is something that across the sequels, I mean, once again, we are dealing with just a new hope at this point, but across the sequels, you get so much more personality out of Chewbacca where you start to be like, he does have, I mean, you do get the best sassy Chewy moment in new hope is that uh hands behind his head moment with three PO. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, Oh, I like this guy. 
<laughs> this guy right here. Um, yeah. Now, uh, now we get this weird scene between Jolie and Leia as she, Jolie is leading Leia back to her cell. And uh, oh, there's this strange interaction where Leia starts it by saying on this page saying, do you hate General? Uh, do you hate Han Solo? Jolie, or is it just Corellians in general? And then it continues on to the next page in this very strange interaction that I'm not quite sure what it's all implying. I mean, do, I, I, I think it might be some queer representation. Ah, so, okay. Jolie has this dialogue where she says, it's men, lady, the whole blasted breed. This A smooth-talking, handsome one is no better than any other, or maybe worse. And yeah. Leia has the rejoinder. There are good men, Jolie. A pirate vessel may not be the best place to find them. Certainly it has. I've had my problems with Mr. Solo. Still, he does kiss well. And Jolie has this look like, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Um, and there's a <laughs> there's a zisp in there, too. And a clong on the next panel. But uh, I just love the sound effects. Yeah, I don't quite know what it's implying. Also, um... Uh, as we've established, I love you, Infantino. What the hell's going on with Leia's eyes on that first panel? Yeah, her face is kind of folding in half. Yeah, because then the next panel has the... Now, is it Jolie or Jolly? Because I don't know. Either one is weird, but... Um, I think Jolie sounds more like a name. I know, I agree, but it looks like Jolly on the page. I'll go with you on it. Should it, I hope it's Jolie. Uh, but then it's... Look at how much clearer that design is, where it's like, this Leia got away from him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the deal with it is. Also, uh, Princess Leia calling Han Solo Mr. Solo is also weird. I feel like she would have said Captain Solo, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But at least ways, what confuses me the most about this yeah. is that uh, Jolie, like the door closes behind her in that second panel. Then on the third panel, she kicks the door at Leia's response uh, yeah. in like a fit of anger. Oh, I'm and sorry. She clongs the door. She clongs the door. Clearly is clonging that door. With her Wonder Woman boots, yes. Oh! <laughs> Somewhere Princess Diana is like, what the hell? Uh, but then there's this like line of narrator text in the fourth panel that says, The lady pirate storms from the detention area, disturbed by her own anger, uncertain why it suddenly erupted. As though like Leia's words made her like express rage uh, just like she's angry at Leia for kissing him or what I lost my cool and that's uh, yeah I can't I can't tell it, I, I mean, we'll have to see going forward if there's some is she into Han Solo but then also I mean I'm saying like they definitely write her as like oh man uh, but then it's like oh is that overcompensating for but I really just wish I could find love I don't know I'm worried that that's the, the latter option is going to be the yeah. case and that we're walking headfirst into some really dicey, like stupid, stupid character motivations when Jolly is concerned. Well, let's get into some of that because now we're going to get a lot of Leia memories of, oh, that Luke Skywalker. <sighs> they weren't brother and sister at this point, y'all. We need to just get over that fact. It is sort of a thing, but it's just you can't read it without knowing what you I know. know i know all, but it's but but also this leads to a lot of previously on star wars yeah we get the the whole next page is just recapping of all of the little cutaways we've had of leia and luke as luke went off to the drexel system and then he went missing and then leia charged off because he went missing and that's this whole next page 
And I just thought, do we need to recap all that? Like a single line could have done it, but it is just like, folks, because as we've talked about before, that's been like a page or two in the last couple issues. This yeah. has been such a minor B plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love the square handcuffs on. Why is she still in handcuffs? <laughs> we just can't trust this yeah, woman. Again, she must have killed at least four or five people in escape attempts before this. Never locked in a cell, handcuffed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's getting pissed here by this last panel. Look at that. Oh! But oh. I will say, I like the shading here. I like the line work on the shadows on her face. It's more dynamic and interesting than what we've seen in other issues. Mm-hmm. I also like her outfit more because it's less the like just straight up white like sleeping gown that we've seen. And they've got like the arm wraps and there's a belt going on here. Like I like the outfit here, even if Carmen Infantino draws women's breasts as like diametrically opposed magnets going in opposite directions in every page. That's been my experience. What are you talking about now? <laughs> yeah, it is like, you know, maybe an anatomy class he could have used. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a little interesting. We're just like, well, how else will I show two clearly defined breasts? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we need a foot and a half of cleavage here. <laughs> um, well, anytime uh, Jolie's on, uh, the cleavage is nonstop. Uh, oh, I mean, you look at the last page and like in that third panel when yeah. like her body seems to be trying to tear itself in half. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But I will say the uh, turnabout is fair play because there's just as much, if not more, Crimson Jack on display. I mean, that's absolutely fair. Because uh, I mean, yeah, we, we get we get to the next page and he is still lounging. <laughs> He's literally pointing at like a star map, but going like, "Yeah, over here." <laughs> and I'll be, yeah, you're just you're gonna go up to the Drexel system. Um, it takes a lot uh, to get Crimson Jack out of that chair. <laughs> Hey man, once I'm once I'm comfortable, man, I'm not moving. Uh, and his, I'm sorry, uh, this guy who's down in the lower level, this is not a pirate henchman. He's just a full-on elf now. That's a Christmas elf. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he's gonna do a jaunty little tune in a second. I, I I think he is more like one of Robin Hood's merry men, but that's just me. That sure, I think that's that what al- they're going for. That also works. But then you've got, all, look at all the weird people working on stuff. Now all of a sudden we're in like a Judge Dredd comic. Yeah, we've got some like techno priests in the bays here. I'm not quite sure what's yeah. happening. Yeah, it's, it's Crimson Jack's crew, ship, everything. This guy's so weird. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, and I'm bummed there was never a Crimson Jack spinoff comic. <laughs> the Adventures of Crimson Jack. Oh, John, don't oh, worry. Is there? No. Oh, is there? <laughs> oh, damn it. I'm going like I think I would have seen that. I, they don't really. They they weren't doing that. As now there would be like eight. Of course, as there is, there's like eight Star Wars books running at all times, at least, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but back then, it was just like we have a Star Wars book. They didn't think let's spin off several more Star Wars books. Yeah. Uh, so basically, this page is Crimson Jack being like, I've never even heard of the Drexel system. And Han kind of bullshitting his way because he's never heard of it either. But uh, right. he's kind of gaslighting Crimson Jack here. And look, we couldn't get through an issue of this book without one weird fucking face. And the bottom left panel of this page is the yep. weirdest Han Solo face of this issue. Oh, he- you know, no problem, Jack! 
Yeah, he's got his eyes closed. He's got his teeth bared, and he's just like, "Uh, yeah, no problem, Jack. It's all good." Chewie says, "We'll get there as soon as we can." Yeah, and uh, I gotta talk about my favorite Chewie line in this issue, which is "Warful." Oh, a good old fashioned Warful. Because you get a growl, which I understand, but like Warful. <laughs> I like that you like. Oh, I get a growl, but a Warful. Oh, That's I- so strange. <laughs> that. That's the mindset this book has to put you in, where you're going like, wow, I understand, but Warful, that seems off character. (laughs) So yeah, but yeah, that Han Solo face is like, who approved that? I don't know. I see what what they're going for. It just looks really weird. But it's like way too much. Yeah. Uh, Because he's got his own little, like, inner monologue on this next page as we get Han Solo in, like, I hope Luke's there at the Strexel system, because whatever you're up to, we're about to, like, rain on your parade as I lead this gang of pirates to you. Such, it's not bad writing, but it's so lazy to be like, that. yeah, now that I think about Luke Skywalker, I wonder what he's doing right now. Cut to the cover. Cut to the cover. Pew pew. He's pew pew and a uh, sea snake. It's a it's Jormungand, the world serpent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like I, the 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 facial. Watch the facial features on this sea serpent. The next couple of pages, they're all it, over the place. It's wild. And so we've got Chewy or not Chewy. Sorry, three PO and R two. What's R two doing? Where he's swinging his legs on this page. I don't know because he's grown two other legs on the bottom of his little trash can torso. So yeah, that's the thing. We it's one of the, we know R two. He's got the two legs and then the one that comes out in front of him, sort of, and that's mm-hmm. it. But here, because the R two I know wouldn't be able to stand if he swung them in opposite directions like that. Mm-hmm. And also, three PO's doing way too much of a human crouch. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of droid poses in these next couple of pages that are a little all over the place. But the big thing is that, like, yes, we're back on the cover. He's firing at the sea serpent. It's doing nothing. We need to get back onto the ship. But the ship is sinking. And he's been shooting at long enough that the blaster has run out of charge. (laughs) Which is, again, we've talked about briefly, like, ammo is kind of a thing in Star Wars when it's narratively appropriate. And that would be a lot. Well, here I do like that. They're saying charge here as opposed to ammo now. Mm-hmm. But it is like to think he shot at this thing enough that the that the gun ran out of charge. One thing you don't see, which I want more of, is people plugging in the guns to recharge them. Well, you have charger packs. It's basically like the reload is like you eject the power pack and load it. Yeah, and you've and 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 they've shown that a couple times yeah. here and there. You see it in like Clone Wars a lot mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. You see it in like big battle sequences. Yeah. Uh in that. But yeah. So this thing is, yeah, this <laughs> this is where they don't have a consistent design on this serpent face, I don't think. Oh, yeah, because it goes from, like, animal face to person face uh, a couple of times. So on this next it, page, we get uh, the droids and Luke diving back into the ship, and there's a straight-up dude behind him that is now the sea serpent. <laughs> hey, hey, get back here! <laughs> Uh, so they're diving into the ship. It's filling with water. They need to get out of here. R2 has a plan. They start moving. And what's this on the next page? I mean, this all happens like very quickly. There's a lot of dialogue, but it really just boils down to, well, what are we doing here? We're looking for a new rebel base. How do we get out of this situation? Well, R2 has a plan. R2 leads us to the escape pods. Also, R2 does have uh, that thing that shoots out of him to like uh, slice stuff. 
but it's so long here when he's doing it. John, I'm going to need you to learn this. It's called a scomp unit. It is called a scomp unit. I did actually, I, I do know that. But look at how <laughs> long that the, the scomp unit is. And then suddenly it's much shorter when you cut to it on the other angle. Yeah, it's also not plugging into anything. He's just like banging on the wall with it. <laughs> yeah, you don't see a lot of R2 knocking on doors and stuff. Uh, and then uh, they chong their way out of here. <laughs> you got to chong out. Uh, I mean, I don't, this, this in terms of a Star Wars action sequence is fine. The thing's sinking. Let's get into the escape pod and jettison out of here. It's mm-hmm. a halfway decent, and then it, the serpent will keep going after the ship while we escape over here. It's a halfway decent. It just, it's so like, oh yeah, we got to jam a Luke action sequence into a couple pages. Right. And it's like, why, uh, obviously, oh, at least what it reads like to me is that Roy Thomas came up with the like side, like, oh no, R- Luke's in trouble storyline with no clear idea about what actually was happening on Drexel. Good luck figuring that out, Archie. Uh, right. So Archie Goodwin's kind of like starting from square one of just like, oh, I don't know. He landed in the ocean and it's, there's a sea serpent, I guess. <laughs> it's so weird. Like his, but <laughs> to think going back to the last issue and even the recap here, like, to think that what Luke was going like, oh no, was a sea serpent. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. The end of our spacecraft, 3PO. What king-size waterworm is about to apply the finishing touches? Okay. okay, I also do want to like quickly touch on the fact that, okay, where did Luke grow up? Tatooine, right? Of course, yeah. A, a world that is a desert. Uh uh, Uncle yes. Owen and Baru are moisture farmers. Yeah, exactly. They, they like have to scrape by what little like dew they can collect every morning. Yeah. He now finds himself on a world, presumably, or at least what he can see, is a hundred percent water. I feel like Luke would be losing his goddamn mind right now. <laughs> I, you're right. This Luke is just like, well, once I blow up the Death Star, I'm world weary and ready for anything. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's just like, oh, we'll just jettison out. Look at that. It's going after the ship. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Another Again, day, another I, Luke Skywalker adventure. I really don't want to sing the praises of the sequel trilogy, but a great moment in Force Awakens is when Rey gets to uh, Maz Kanata's castle. And it's just like, I never knew there could be so much green. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. There are things to like in those sequel movies. No question. They are, at best, a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of a mixed bag, uh, we get Luke being like, wait, the serpent stopped and its face has changed again. And what's this? Another sea serpent, but this one has a rider. Yeah. Who is this? What is this? I do like 3PO also just locking eyes with the audience here. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a little creepy. Yeah. Over his- so, uh, John, yeah. this last page, before we yeah. finish things up, what was your first thought when you saw somebody riding a sea serpent in a Star Wars thing? Well, I, I what was my first thought? Is mm-hmm. there an answer you're looking for? There is one. There's a clear answer in my mind of just like a one-to-one. You see somebody riding a sea serpent in a Star Wars thing. The first thing that comes to my mind is the animated sequence from the Star Wars holiday special of Boba Fett oh. showing up. Uh, it, it kind of gave me a Boba Fett vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or certainly later things like the Mon Calamari that are, you know, aquatic characters. Sure. 
But it is like, yeah, I mean, even just that he's got a helmet that's got antenna on it here. Mm-hmm. Even moving, his weapon isn't quite, but it's almost that pitchfork rifle. So I, I would. Thing. Yeah. So like, for those who don't know, Boba Fett's first appearance is technically the Star Wars holiday special. I don't oh, recommend wait. watching it. It's terrible. It, it, it The Boba Fett section is the best part, though. Yeah, and you can watch that exclusively on Disney+. Plus. You can just watch the animated bit, which I think is the only bit that's, like, worth watching. Now, I want to oh. look up the timeline of this. So, the Star Wars Holiday Special premiered in 1978, so the same year that this comic book was being made. Yeah. It was probably already in production at this point, as of May. The animation, yeah, the animation, maybe, yeah. It would have to have been, right? So, like, yeah. I'll... I, We'll get to next issue when we get to Doom World, whatever that is. I got to say, it's a Marvel book, so I'm assuming Victor Von Doom is showing up. I hope so, but I'm holding my breath where that's concerned. I I have a feeling he won't be. Yeah. Uh, But were they, like, already having some of these design documents floating around about the holiday special and what some of that stuff is going to look like? I mean, I'm I'm very curious to see. Yeah, you're right, because, like, the way he's writing it even has some of the... I mean, it is very similar to the way we meet Boba Fett. Yeah. Now, I don't Which, expect that man to show up, but... No, uh, no, no, not yet, not yet. No, no, because we, we will I, have ages of Boba Fett comics to cover on this show, John. <laughs> there's going to be a section of the show that will just be Fett cast, uh, let's be honest. Uh, we we might have to devote a year to it. Yeah, the the year of the Fett. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I look forward to that year. <laughs> There's some Absolutely. wild Boba Fett comics. No, I mean, I, I, you know, being a Star Wars fan in the 90s and stuff like that, I consumed a lot of Boba Fett media. Mm-hmm. You couldn't avoid it. Uh, but yeah, so there's Luke's on this weird world. There's a couple of serpents. And apparently it is called Doom World. Doom World. Ooh, that sounds scary. It's Uh-oh. probably fine. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be all right. Uh, but yeah, yeah that that's uh, that's issue number eleven of the Marvel Star Wars comic. Uh, I think it's like a good turn. Like we've we've emerged yeah. from the Roy Thomas era, if you want to call it that, and now it, we are in Archie Goodwin's world. It's this is closer to what I imagined it would be like week to week. You know, like yeah. uh, right. I mean, I do sort of feel like you're know, like this is not amazing stuff, but it's uh, uh, you know, it's it's. It's very 70s Marvel comic Star Wars stories. Yeah. And honestly, I think after a little bit of cleanup that Archie Goodwin had to do to like get us out of the Magnificent Seven stuff, I think we are on a good track to be, okay, we have these crew of pirates on a collision course with Luke Skywalker in this weird alien world. That all sounds cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I No, I mean, like, this is... Uh, <laughs> Immediately, I'm like, at least we're away from Jim Starkiller. And uh, <laughs> also, we didn't talk about at some point in this, Han Solo refers to Jackson as a bunny. And I can't imagine Han Solo using the word bunny. Again, it just it feels so weird to like an alien species calling them a bunny. It would be like calling us apes. Right, exactly. We're just like, he was a bunny. Yeah. Leastways, yes, that was issue number 11. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. The best way to, to uh, support the show is, of course, uh, rate and review however you can. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for joining us here. Uh, be sure to comment below. What do you think is Doom World? Is it anything like Battle World? Is Doom going to be involved? Do you think Luke Skywalker fights the Beyonder? I think that's probably what's going to happen, right? 
Oh, I hope so. Fingers crossed on that. Yeah, get the Beyonder in here. We're in late 70s. Beyonder would be like full Jerry Curl. like, we're, we're, And oh, Jim yeah. Shooter's kicking around. So like, we know we, he still needs to learn how to poop. No, yeah. We, we are witness. <laughs> I, I will think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the... We're in the takeover of Jim Shooter in the next couple years at Marvel. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see is under Shooter. Because uh, I do have a great obsession with the Jim Shooter years at Marvel. It's still something I would love to cover in like a documentary. So I think that's that's untapped material Absolutely. to talk about that era. So, yeah, uh, yes. But please, if you're watching us on YouTube also, make sure you rate, like, and subscribe, ring that bell and whatnot. Uh, all the classic things there. Or if you want to support us even more, you can go to our patron page over on Podbean. That's patron.podbean.com slash punch up. Absolutely. And there you can find all sorts of bonus material from all of our shows on the Punch-Up Entertainment Network, including uh, the stuff we've made with uh, Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, material components, the action shelf, so much yeah. content there, and it really does uh, help support us and everything we do. And at some point, there will be some Star Wars stuff on there as well. Oh, so. yes, there will. It's a yeah. threat, not a promise. It really is. That's right. <laughs> we can talk about even more Star Wars. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, thank you for listening. Join us next week for the exciting continuation of Doom World. And, as always, may the panel be with you. Thank <laughs> you.